welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We started on the topic called The Little Foxes, Songs of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15. Songs of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15. The Bible says in Songs of Solomon 2 15, catch us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. We said here that Solomon had this Shunammite woman who he was particularly in love with, even though he had many women, but the Shunammite woman was very special to him. And they were talking. And he said, Look, we have to catch the little, little foxes that have the capacity to destroy the vine. In other words, many times little things mess up our relationships. Small hinges swing open big doors. So little, little things, they matter. Little things actually affect our relationship with God. Many times, yes, we know the big sins. We know the big sins. But the little, little sins, we oftentimes overlook them. We think they don't matter, but they do matter. The little foxes that spoil the vine, they matter a lot. We spoke about envy. We spoke about pride. You know, these are sins of the heart. When you commit them, you don't violate any law of man. There is no crime against envy. There is no crime against pride. But the big sins, yes, if you commit murder, you know you're in trouble with the law. But these sins, because most times they don't violate the law of man, but they violate the law of God. They are hidden sins of the heart. They are little foxes. They are weeds. That if you allow them to grow, they will choke the good seeds. I'm sure you know very well that when you plant the good seeds, automatically weeds grow. And when you don't weed out the weeds, the weeds will also be draining the nutrients meant for the good seed. And of course, you won't have a bumper harvest. But by the time you weed out your farmland, then you can have a bumper, a very good harvest. So in like manner, if you take care of these little, little foxes, your relationship with God will go so well, your prayers will be answered so quickly and easily. They are little, little things, little, little things. It's my prayer God will help us even to weed out everything that is not of God in our lives in Jesus' mighty name. So we are talking about a few of them. The first one is lost. Lost. I'm sure you know that in this our human nature, there's nothing good in the flesh. The Adamic nature is so strong, so powerful. And if you don't have the spirit of God in good measure to help you counter the works of the flesh, you can live as an animal. When you see human depravity, when you see where people have unbridled lusts, they don't check their affections. You can see where you see some things that people do, human beings do. Even animals don't do them. I'm telling you. Where you have some sins, some abomination going on under the sun, under the heavens. Even animals. So it's possible to live as an animal. I'm telling you. Where you have unbridled affection, where you don't check your human nature, where you don't check the Adamic nature, where you allow it to roam, where you allow it to just do its thing. So lust is powerful. Because lust will always give birth to sin. And the Bible says when sin is fully grown, it will bring forth death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So Jesus went to the cross to deal with the flesh, the human flesh. Jesus was crucified. And while he was there laying on the cross, I was also with him. That's why the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not high, but Christ lives in me. So when Christ died on the cross, he dealt a big blow upon the flesh. So when you now come to Christ, 
when you now become born again, the seed of righteousness is planted in you. And then as you allow that seed to grow, you begin to see the fruits. Because now you are begotten of God. You are now God's offspring. And because you belong to God, you are God's offspring, you should manifest God. When you see my children, they have my traits. They look like me. So now that we are born again, begotten by God, we've been born of God, then we have the seed of righteousness. God's seed is resident within us. So we can actually deal with the power of the flesh. The Bible says so categorically that the law of the spirit of life had set us free, made us free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. There's a law of sin. There's a force of sin. And that force, that law of sin will lead to death. But there's a law of the spirit of life. There's a force of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we have that law resident in our spirit man. So we can automatically, by the help of God, checkmate, counter the works of the flesh. Somebody compared it that the law of the spirit of life can be compared to the law of aerodynamics, where the law of sin and death can be compared to the law of gravity. When aerodynamics is in place, gravity bows. Amen? It doesn't matter how heavy the plane is. I mean, you put stuff in the plane, you put people in the plane, it still defies the law of gravity. So, the Lord's spirit of life in us is so potent, it can deal with the works of the flesh. That's why the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So, there's a law that makes people sin, but there's also a law that makes people also fly high spiritually. And that law is resident in your members. That law is resident in you. So, we can checkmate the flesh. Because there's no good thing in the flesh. There's no good thing. Many times we tantalize the flesh. We feed it three square meals a day. 21 meals in a week. And people just cut the spirit. Their spirit might snack. Think about it. Some of us here is the only way we come to church on Sunday. Some of us come once a month. And that's the only time we open our Bibles. Scary. And then you feed the flesh. The flesh is so well fed. And your spirit man is experiencing kwashoko. So, you have to learn to feed your spirit man. I had this analogy sometime, very, very prompt, wonderful analogy, that there was this guy who was in a dog bed. He was always betting on dogs, and they had just two dogs. He had a white dog and a black dog, and any dog he tells you will win, that dog will certainly win. Between the two dogs, he always does that. So, every week, he comes with the two dogs. He will say, look, which one do you want to bet on? Okay, you bet on the white dog, will outrun the black dog. So, whichever dog he bets on, always wins. So if he bets on the black dog today, the black dog will win. If next week he bets again on the black dog, the black dog will always outrun the white one. So anything he places his bet on, always wins. So one day somebody asked him, how do you do this thing? How do you predict accurately? How do you get this thing so well? Say, ah, it's very simple. That the dog I want to win, I feed very well. And the one I want to lose, I starve very well. You have to learn to starve the flesh. If you allow the flesh to run riot, you know, that's everything you want to get. You know, craving for food is called gluten. Craving for illicit sex. Craving for power. Some people are so greedy for money. They will do anything. <laughs> we see what's going on in the news now. God have mercy. God have mercy. When you allow the flesh to just go berserk, you will be in trouble very soon. But God has given us another law that is able to counter the works of the flesh. As a matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, Colossians 3 verse 5, it says here, kill, kill. 
Say so kill, dead then. The price of power, the evil desire locking in your members. Take that word. Say kill it. Mortify. You can kill it. Every time you say no to a sinful thought, to temptation, you are killing it. And every time you embrace that temptation, you are giving it power to reign in your life. Say kill it. Kill. Dead in. Say no. You have the power to say no. For since I have no dominion over you, because you are not that the Lord, but you are that grace. So he went on to say here that those animal impulses, can you see the word of God? Animal impulses. You have them in you. And all that is earthly in you that is employed to sin, sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry. Paul said, I die daily. It's a daily thing. It's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. You don't allow your flesh to run out. It is lust. It is craving. Everybody has it. As long as you're in this flesh, you will struggle with the flesh. Yes, we have the power to say no, but the struggle continues. But we are victorious. We are overcomers because of Jesus. We are not victorious in ourselves. The life we now live, we live in Christ. The life of Christ in us now wants to express itself. There's a life of Christ in you. Allow that life to express itself to the world. God will not tell you to do what you can't do. He hasn't called us to do what we cannot do. Whatever God calls you to do, he's equipped you. He has empowered you to do. So we have the power to kill the flesh. To mortify it. Paul said, I pummel the flesh. I beat the flesh daily. The flesh doesn't have regard for title. It doesn't have regard for age. It's not experience. You can be 75 and still be very, very carnal. And your almost can still be raging at 75, I'm telling you. <laughs> Amen. Bible says, kill it. It doesn't have regard for title. It doesn't have regard for experience. It doesn't have regard for the pulpit. The only language the flesh knows is to kill. Mortify the flesh. Don't allow your carnal desires to not riot. If you allow that, very soon you'll be so sorry. But God will give us grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Because whatever thing masters you, you are a slave to. Whatever thing you allow to master you, you are a slave to that thing. Jesus didn't go to the cross to make you a slave to sin. He went to the cross to make us slaves, servants of righteousness. He didn't go to the cross to give birth to defeated children. No, 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 no. He went to the cross to give birth to victorious people. So we can kill it. And we will kill it on a daily basis. Every time you say yes to the flesh, you are giving the flesh power. But we are not slaves of sin. We are servants of God. We are servants of righteousness. And so shall we remain in Jesus' mighty name. We don't want to live like animals here. <laughs> we are gods. We are not animals. When you see men in their depravity, they manifest animal behavior. I'm a son of God. I'm a saint of Christ. Amen? But when you begin to live base, you will not be an animal in Jesus' mighty name. So God will help us. Because lust is the mother of all sins. Check it out. Everything you can think of starts with a craving. Lust is the mother of all sins. It's in our members. Just mention it. Is it envy? Is it murder? Is it greed? Just mention it. Everything you can think of, the mother of all sins, is lust. God will help us to daily deal with our issues, to daily deal with our proclivities in the mighty name of Jesus, and you will daily win the war over the flesh in the mighty name of Jesus. Another little fox to be aware of and to really deal with is doubt. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 5 to 8, James chapter 1 verse 5 to 8, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally 
and without reproach, and you'll be given to him. So let him ask in faith with no doubting. For evil doubt is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Yes, as human beings we doubt. I have no doubt at all that you have your doubts. I have my own doubt as well. It's okay. I mean, occasionally we doubt. But we don't remain in the valley of despair, in the valley of doubt. Because the Bible says here that those who doubt, they are like a wave of the sea. They are driven and tossed by the wind. Say, let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. When you see a turbulent sea, what happens? The wind will blow upon the waters. The waters will billow. They will go up. It's tempestuous. It's turbulent. It's raging sea. Say, the man who doubts is like that raging sea. In other words, you can't get anything out of raging sea except disaster. And if you are swimming there, it can be disastrous. There is nothing good from a raging sea. But juxtapose that, compare that with a calm sea. So the guy who is trusting God is like that calm sea. Amen. The Bible says that those who put their trust in the Lord, they will be like Mount Zion that cannot be removed. So you have this raging sea. That's like the man who doubts. The man who doubts is double-minded. Today is up there. Tomorrow is down there. Is carnal-minded. Is also spiritually-minded. You can't get anything from the man who doubts. He doesn't trust God. He's anxious. He's worried. It's like a raging sea, unsettled, unstable, anxious. And when people are anxious like that, it just points to one thing. They don't believe God. Because those that know they are God shall be strong, and they shall do exploits. This guy, Jonah, God sent him to Nineveh. He said, look, go preach the gospel there. He said, look, I'm not going to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. They were in the raging sea. In the midst of the confusion, he was sleeping. And by the time they came, the mariners came and said, ah, why are you sleeping? He said, look, I'm the reason. Say, so if you throw me out into the sea, your boats will not capsize. And they bundled him out into the sea. He was so sure God would catch him. And God sent a whale, a big fish, to catch him again. How can you be in such trouble and you are still assured of God's presence? Amen? That's somebody who knows his God. Another thing about doubt is that doubt will make you hesitate. Another word for doubt is hesitation. When you are in the midst of some battles and you hesitate, you will be in trouble. When David was facing Goliath, the Bible says he hasted towards him. He ran towards him. He didn't hesitate. If you are double-minded in some battles, the battle will swallow you up. If David had been before Goliath and he's been, ah, should I go? Should I not go? And he's there still confused. Can I kill him? Can I not kill him? If he's still like this, wavering, ah, Goliath will eat him up just like that. So when you're a doubter, there are some battles you can't confront because you're like a raging sea. And that's why many people don't have their breakthroughs because they don't know their God. Somebody was in trouble. He said, look, cast me out into the sea. And the problem here, if you cast me out, everything will calm down. And everything calmed down for the mariners. And he was eaten up and he was vomited by the fish. For three days, three nights he was there. He was assured of God. Is my prayer we will be assured of God. Is my prayer nothing will shake you, nothing will move you anymore. Is my prayer you will be settled in your soul. You will be settled in the word of God. Forever, oh God, your word is settled in heaven. And if this settled word of God settles in your heart, you will settle any matter. It's my prayer that matter is settled for you in Jesus' mighty name. But if you just cut the word of God a snack once a month when you come to church on Sunday, <laughs> you'll be more anxious. I'm telling you. God gave us his word to assure our hearts that in the midst of trouble, 
we can have assurance. And it's my prayer in the midst of trouble, you have assurance in the mighty name of Jesus. Those who doubt, they hesitate in the face of challenges. And when you doubt, when you have doubt for the future, that produces worry for you. I'm here to tell you God is in your future. Are you thinking of retirement? God will say to you. Are you worried about your finances? God will say to you. Because doubt of the future produces worry. When you have doubt with other people, that produces suspicion in you. And when you have doubt in yourself, produces inferiority complex. Self-doubt is not good at all. Amen. You can't afford it. You can't even afford it in present-day America. You have to learn to square your shoulders. Amen. Oh, yes. Your value is in here. Your value is God that you carry. Not your paycheck. Stop equating your paycheck to be your value. No! Your value is the God you carry. That's your value. That's your intrinsic value. So don't let anybody put you down. No, stop doubting yourself. You are created in God's image. You are God's own son, God's own daughter. You matter. You matter too much. When you have doubt in God, it produces unbelief. When you have doubt in everything, it produces pessimism. That will not be your testimony in Jesus' mighty name. Doubt is always a minus. But when you believe God for the impossible, it will always come through for you in Jesus' mighty name. We spoke about lust, spoke about doubt. Another little fox that is very critical is complaining and murmuring. And you know, nobody sees this as a problem. When you murmur, is a normal thing. You won't go to God and say, God, please forgive me for murmuring. Very few people do that, mind you. Forgive me for complaining. And you know what got Israel into trouble was that they were complainers. As a matter of fact, God counted the time they complained to be ten times. Before the Red Sea, till they got to just the border of Canaan, they complained ten times. And God actually <laughs> mentioned it. They were telling Moses, you brought us to the wilderness to die here. How dare you? We were eating cucumbers, leeches in Egypt. They were telling Moses to go check out how they were enjoying Egypt. Mind you, they were in captivity in Egypt. So we were eating fish. Are you now made us to start eating this manna? What is this? This manna. Every time they complained, they soon forgot the works of God. How can you so easily forget? Three days after the Red Sea experience, three days into the wilderness, no water, they began to complain. Just three days after seeing a mighty miracle, after seeing the Red Sea part, after seeing all your enemies drown in the Red Sea, three days, no water, they began to complain. Can you now see why complaining is a sin? People easily forget. Now think about David. He never forgot. So even when he complains, it was just a brief complaint and he would get back on course. But these guys, it was amazing how they quickly forgot. God rained ten plagues upon Egypt. They saw God deliver them in broad daylight. They saw the wonders of God. They saw it. They still doubted. And God had to start counting ten times. The height of it was when they got to the brink of Canaan and God said, look, Moses sent 12 leaders out of the tribes of Israel to go check out the land. Ten of them came back. They said, ah, the land is impossible. We were like grasshopper before the people of the land. They will swallow us up. They will eat us up as meat. Even what they were saying, it got so bad. They said, look, let's appoint a champion. We want to go back to Egypt. And Moses was helpless. They said, look, we will stone you. They wanted to stone Moses, stone Joshua, stone Caleb. He was complaining by excellence. It was rebellion. And God said, look, I can't take this anymore. And all of them, except for two, perished in the wilderness. It was more money. They didn't have the best of life in Egypt. Yes, God was testing them. He was trying to let them to understand him. But they kept on complaining. And they were uttering blasphemy. That who are you, Moses? They were reading out on Moses. 
They were lashing out on God. So watch yourself. When you're angry, just keep quiet. Because what you utter matters a lot. Some people are using their words and they are scheming people out of hundreds of thousands. That's how powerful words are. If you don't know at this level that words are powerful, you better know. <laughs> the life of death and life is in the mouth. These guys were saying blasphemy. It got to a point, Moses said, look, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. He said, okay, appoint yourself more leaders. Because it was a body too big for him to handle. Because of complaining, murmuring. So let's choose for us a champion. Let's go back. Let's go back to Egypt. Brethren, what comes out of you in times of stress and provocation matters a lot. That is what reveals the state of our minds. Times of provocation and stress, how do you behave? That's who you are. Maybe you just lost money and you can't be consoled. <laughs> that means money is your God. <laughs> it's my prayer God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. We will declare the good news, not the bad news. And in times of provocation, you'll be stable. You'll be settled. Somehow, you will always be able to recover yourself. These guys, they just went off. They went bonkers. Every little challenge, they will flare up. They will abuse their leaders. They were throwing tantrums. They were about to stone the man. It was actually rebellion. The murmuring became rebellious. Murmuring can become rebellious. And God said, look, I can't deal with this anymore. Nobody prays about no money. You can't go to God and say, oh Lord, please forgive me. I just murmured. <laughs> How many people do that? Very few. But it's sin. And we murmur every day. Murmur against the government. Murmur against the church. <laughs> the Bible says pray for the government. So please change your murmuring to prayers. Change your complaining to gratitude. God has done so much for you, mind you. And he brought you out of Egypt. You're on your way to Canaan. And you inherit Canaan in Jesus' mighty name. It's my prayer God will help us. Your mouth will be full of praises. My mouth will be full of praises. In the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, we will eat the good of the land. The milk and the honey. Somebody said I would rather die in the wilderness than go back to Egypt. God will help us. In Jesus' mighty name. What you say matters. What you say in times of provocation, in times of stress also matters. There's no small murmuring. And these are little foxes. They matter. They matter. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.